Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Join me today. He's a film director, producer, owner of Aragon Entertainment. It's Darius West. How are you doing today, Darius? I'm doing great, Alex. How are you doing? I'm doing good. We're so excited to have you on the show to talk about your rise to the challenge. What we like to do with all of our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about a little bit of where you're from and what were you involved in growing up? Uh, I'm originally from Charlotte, North Carolina. Grew up there, uh, moved to Oklahoma in the ninth grade. Uh, so I, in Charlotte, I was involved in sports, um, soccer, and also basketball, and a little bit of football as well. Uh, did, um, I guess, yeah, I did play in the band in junior high school, but mostly uh, when I went to high school, I also played in the marching band in, in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, at Jinx, Oklahoma, was actually the name of the school. Um, so I was, uh, I was always involved in sports or anything musically, as well as in church, uh, sung in church and was in the choir and, you know, all those kind of things that the church boys do during that time. What did you like about playing sports? And did you have a favorite out of the ones that you did play? Uh, I guess in Charlotte, the favorite probably was soccer because uh, both my brother and I, we were the only uh, African-Americans on the team. So uh, we, we, we played pretty good roles. I played a really good role in defense. I love playing defense. So I was always either halfback fullback position my brother was always the left wing on the offense because he was tall and had a left foot and so we 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 had a lot of fun playing soccer a lot of running but a lot of great people that we uh became friends with and the coach there was there any influences in sports for you some athlete that you looked up to that kind of inspired you to continue playing of man at that time I guess Pele was probably the most popular soccer player in the 80s uh, that you know you knew about and yeah. so that I would say Pele back in the 80s was probably the, the one that we looked up to in terms of soccer yes what got you involved in marching band or the musical side in that I think uh just from my family being a musical family uh my grandfather he was a, a great song player I miss mean, a great, great singer and writer my mom uh also sang in church my grandma was a, a trained op- opera singer so I was always around music and singing. So, you know, it's kind of ran in the blood and, and just, you know, whatever outlet I feel I could do to show that talent. That's what I did. And, and it just happened to be in the band. Did you want to like follow in their footsteps and kind of continue that tradition and being involved in those different activities with music? Of, uh, I wouldn't really say that I was thinking I wanted to continue to do it because of them. I just had a passion for it for myself and just wanted to explore uh, my own giftings and talents in that area and, and seeing how far I can go. Yeah. What instruments did you play? Uh, piano and alto saxophone. I like the combination. Definitely yeah. two different types of instruments, but both yes. very key in music performances. Definitely. Definitely. Did you have a favorite, either one? Like, I would say the, probably the piano because that's something I continue to, continue to play or continue to, to work at. Yes. So this is going to be jumping, but with your passion in music, did it kind of help you when you came in film that you wanted to involve music in some way? Yeah, I think it was, it was uh, very much a process. Because uh, when we moved to Tulsa, like I said, I took, moved to Tulsa when I was high school, ninth grade. And up until that point in, in Charlotte, where I grew up, I was mostly a piano and saxophone and singing. And so when I went to Tulsa, I then begin to discover uh, 
not only just working in the marching band, but I had a great passion for dance. And so that's when I started to learn how to do choreography. I used to watch a lot of the MC Hammer music videos back in the early 80s, you know, late 80s, uh, 88, 89, into 90. And so by the junior year of my of my high school, uh, I, I began to do choreography. And so that so my 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 passion for music or the creative arts, as as you would say, uh, continued to grow. So it spanned on to not just being musically inclined, but not also being able to perform uh, through dance and choreography. And, you know, the rest of the story is that I uh, went to college and I was in college for a year and a half and had opportunity to go on tour as a choreographer and dancer. So I left uh, Oral Roberts University at the age of 19 and began to tour um, with uh, Carmen Ministries uh, in, in 1995 and as a dancer and choreographer and, you know, the rest is history. What were you pursuing in college or what were you hoping that dream job was going to be for you? Well, you know, uh, my, my, my degree that I was going for was computer science engineering at the time. Um, and because the, at that time, my biggest male influence in my life was my uncle because my, my father wasn't in our lives at the time. So, uh, and he, he was always someone that I looked up to in terms of a male figure, but also as someone who provided for his family. Cause my aunt at the time, she, she never had to work. You know, she was a stay at home mom. There's something you really didn't see a lot in the eighties among black families that, you know, a, a, a strong black man could, you know, have a great job as an engineer for Duke, Duke Energy was, is the name of the company still there today to where the family is well off. So I saw that as an influence. So when I went to college, that was my major, I wanted to major in engineering. And, but I think my passion, desire to be in the creative arts really oversee that. Did you have any regrets on taking a year or taking the time off to go travel as a choreographer, or did you feel that that was the perfect opportunity to follow that creative arts passion that you had? Well, definitely it was the, the pathway in which I was to, to go uh, because the, the actual artists that I was begin to tour with at the age of 19, I met him when I was 16 and he, he saw me actually doing choreography and dancing, but it was years, years before that, probably when I was maybe 12, 11 or 12, that I heard his music. And I would say one day, I'm going to know this guy one day. And so, you know, a few years later, I'm actually on the tour bus with him and traveling around the nation. So it was more so of a sense of destiny and a sense of purpose that, you know, I was in the right place at the right time. Were you getting as much information learning from that artist while you were having those interactions and being on tour with them? Oh, definitely. You, you know, you get to understand the uh, what 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 happens behind the curtain, you know, so to speak, in terms of the industry, uh, you know, the business part of it, the things that you have to uh, withstand and endure. And just, you know, and just being 19 on, on tour, making money was just like, you know, you know, all of my friends and stuff, they were jealous because, you know, I would come and I would, <laughs> I would take everybody out to dinner, you know, and I was just like paying people to help pay my mom pay our bills. So it was, it was like, you know, you know, people saw saw me as an as an inspiration to themselves to, you know, pursue their dreams and pursue the thing they, they have a really passion for and not let something or uh, a uh, circumstance or situation detour them from it. Was there anything that when you were learning about the behind the scenes of the industry that kind of shocked you or did it kind of reveal the open curtain and you're like, okay, now it makes sense why things are done the way it is? 
Yeah, I wouldn't say necessarily anything that shocked me. Uh, I think I came in with my eyes wide open, you know, understanding that this is the industry. Uh, uh, and, um, you know, so things do happen. But, you know, just just the challenges that do you do face, you find uh, like your, where your level of faith is, you know, when you face something that, hey, that uh, that it has come. The Bible says, the, uh, you know, when we face trials and tribulation, when we face challenges, welcome them as friends. And so I learned at an early age, 18, 19 years old, uh, a minister of mine that I look up to, Dr. Miles Monroe, who's no longer with us, he, he used to always say that uh, uh, the, the challenges you face, the mountains you face, the uh, situations you face are indications of how great you are. So if you're facing something great, it's an indication of how great God thinks you are, that you actually can, actually can handle something this big. And so you welcome it as friends. So it's no longer a problem. It's more of an opportunity to uh, to place a demand upon your uh, potential in life. So that's how I, I would see challenges. And even to this day, that's how I face challenges. What's the biggest thing you learned about yourself during your time as a choreographer and traveling and touring? Uh, just the, the tool of leadership. Uh, you know, because one of the things that I did during, throughout that time, even up leading to that time uh, was, you know, I helped establish a dance team in Tulsa called Steps of Praise. And so I was, you know, even at 18, 19 years old, I was leading groups of young people uh, in, in choreography or in j- even just in mentorship and saw uh, and was seen as a leader, but also had to, you know, and being on the road and things like that, you get to see more and more, you're able to, uh, you know, uh, translate some of those things that you learn in the industry, you know, on the, on the, uh, the, on the platform that you do back home with, you know, dancers and the people that you're teaching. Did you think that when you played sports, the role of a leader came up for you and you took those skills into being that leader for all those students, or was this a way that you kind of learned it on as you were going? I think it was more so a process of learning as I, as I, as I went, you know, um, you know, most of the time as young people, you know, you in elementary and you in junior high, you're still trying to quote unquote what people say, you're trying to find yourself, not surely mm-hmm. who you are and all this kind of thing. But I think when you're, uh, you get into high school and get into the college uh, age and, you know, you begin to just to really hone in on who you are and what you want to pursue in life. And, 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 and hopefully for most people, this does happen. And so for me, I, I understood at a young age that, that leadership is not about having followers. Leadership is all about influence and, mm-hmm. and, and people that, you know, are drawn to you, not because of how great you are as a person, but the influence that you have in their life as a leader. I think you can definitely, everyone can utilize that with who they look at as a influencer or a follower. I think sometimes yes. people think that they have to follow this person because, oh, they have all these people following, but I think a lot of people need to look at what are they doing for those people? Because like you said, those become the good influencers and they make a difference for the people that are following them. Yes, definitely. Were you always looking at what was next for your career during this time or what was next for your career? Yeah, I'm always uh, looking at what's next. Um, Even now I'm always looking at what's next uh, because I, I believe a lot of times where, where we, where people find themselves is at the greatest 
uh, greatest enemy that we have is our past success. And mm-hmm. people get locked in what they did before and, you know, 10 years ago. And, you know, I, we had a number one hit 10 years ago. So that's great. But like, you know, what's next? And yeah. so, so, you know, I, I'm always looking at, okay, after this, what's next? Because I don't want to be placed in a box of, of who people think who I am. Because when I left Tulsa, Oklahoma, I was just a dancer, you know? And so I had to leave that environment because that's all they knew me about. But now I'm going back to Tulsa some, some many years later, and I'm a director and a producer at a production company, but no one saw that in me. I had to see that in myself. And so that's really, you know, about seeing what the next of who I am and, and continue to develop as a leader that I'm called to be. When were you starting to figure out that you wanted to start this production company or this entertainment company that you created? I would say, uh, you know, in my late, late twenties, early thirties, uh, I really, you know, I, I was doing a lot of theatrical production, uh, during that time. And, and I was living in San Diego. I had moved to San Diego, California. I was there for 15 years. And, and even at that time I stopped touring around uh, year 2000, I think it was 2000. And so I was touring off and on for the better part of five years. And at around 99, 2000, I was like, man, I really want to get um, get established and just have a regular job, so to speak, a regular career, you know, because, you know, living out of the uh, hotels, living out of your suitcase, you know, mm-hmm. better part of five years, you want more stability around the age of 24, 25. So that's kind of where I was, you know, and kind of was thinking ahead, like what's next? I want to have a family. I want to have, you know, so I can't just be all over around the world. And so at 25, that's when I started working for the gas and electric company in San Diego, uh, landed that job. And uh, I was there for 12 years. And during that 12 year span, I, you know, I did uh, theatrical productions in, 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 in San Diego. I was part of uh, a church that was uh, growing really, really fast during that time. I was in charge of helping establish the bands, you know, really. And, you know, and the, and the uh, singing worship team. And I became one of the main leaders of singing on that worship team as well. So I began to step into some other things that I, that I wasn't doing in Tulsa and I was doing in San Diego. And throughout that time, I began to create a passion for film of that, that I didn't realize I really had because I would, I would, I would always go to the movies like all the time, Friday night and all day Saturday, I would watch every movie. They knew, they knew who I was when I walked into AMC in Fashion Valley. They, I would come in there because this was during the time you could actually bring outside food into the theater. So this is like, you know, this is like the, you know, early 2000s. So I would get, you know, I grab a pizza from California Pizza Kitchen. I have, <laughs> I have Cinnabon and I, and I have a lemonade from like a pickup, you know, pickup sticks or something like that. <laughs> so I would come in with my food and I'd be in the theater all day just watching films. And one day I was like, man, who does this? Who just like is in the movie theater, just watching movie with. And so that's when I realized, man, this is something that I, I have a passion for. So I began to travel back and forth to LA and really, um, start going to the film festivals and screenwriting festivals and kind of just dive into it. And, uh, so that began my journey. Then, you know, in 2012, I moved to, uh, moved to LA, went to film school and, you know, here we are. What's your main mission with your company? What are you hoping when someone hears about it or they're watching something that's been created or work with you? Yeah. Well, one thing is, uh, you know, I think of edutainment, 
you know, what I want to, what I want to bring with the type of films that we do films and or documentaries is that when people leave, they feel like they're left with a message and they were entertained throughout the process because the message and the theme, you know, uh, is threaded throughout the whole uh, vein of the, of the film or documentary. So that's what really drives me is knowledge and informing people of information. That's what this, you know, this music documentary does that we're, we're about to release, which is called Might Drop the Culture of Christian Hip Hop. It's the first documentary that chronicles the beginning of Christian hip hop in the early 80s. And so because it's the first of its kind, that's what really had drawn us to it and, you know, had the opportunity to, and, and not only had the opportunity, but we also have distribution through Warner Music, which is a big deal for us. And so, and I believe they saw the same thing that we saw. This is something that has never been done. And for us to do this and accomplish it is uh, such a great thing. Looking at the concept of mic drop, was Christian hip hop something that kind of was hidden that many people didn't know about? And this is a way to put it on the state or put it on like film and stuff for people to learn more about it and kind of get themselves involved in it. Yes. Yes. Uh, Throughout this process, you know, we've understood that the demographic has been really three audiences. Uh, those who knew about or knew about Christian hip hop from the beginning in the early 80s. Uh, those who uh, became knowledge, knowledgeable Christian hip hop later in the, you know, in the 2000s, you know, talking about millennials and you have Lecrae and all these guys. Then you have the other audience that don't know anything and never mm-hmm. even heard about it. So you got three different audiences that you're appealing to, which is, you know, which is really great because you're not just targeting one audience. You have three different type of audiences. And what makes it so uh, unique for us and for me personally is that uh, when uh, just when I was, before I was going on tour at the age of 19, you know, between 17 and 19, I was around a lot of these groups that, that started Christian hip hop, you know, cause it started in Tulsa, Oklahoma uh, by, by uh, an artist by the name of Stephen Wiley in 1985. And so he was the first, Christian rapper that I heard because he was the first one to release in 85. So I heard him in 88 and, you know, uh, PID and Michael Peace, a lot of these people that were, uh, you know, in, in the Tulsa or came to the Tulsa area to do certain things or concerts. And then I had, I had a, a Christian rap group during that same time between 17 and 19. And, and we had the same manager as some of the other artists because it was very, very close knit. It was a smaller community. And so by, by having the opportunity to do this, this documentary, it was really kind of reaching back to my own history and my own past and, you know, reconnecting to some of the people that were a part of that from the beginning and still are today. Were you able to get those artists that you kind of saw and were listening to part of the documentary? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. My, my, I was, a, I was a real big fan of PID, uh, Fred Lynch and, and, and uh, PID. Yeah. Fred Lynch is actually co-producer of the film. So PID is a part of SFC out of uh, the West Coast. Uh, Soup, Soup the Chemist, he's he's in it. Uh, you know, Dynamic Twins. They kind of, you know, they kind of blew the doors open when they came out with their with their single Fantasy, and you know, all all the youth groups and and churches they were playing that song back in the early '90s. So Dynamic Twins is in it. Uh, Tim Minor, uh, you know, DOC, DOC. I was actually in a music video with DOC as a background backup dancer. So it's a lot of these people that that I had some kind of connection to, either directly or indirectly, that are a part of this film, and it's just, it's uh, it's an exciting uh, uh, opportunity. How has their reaction been with 
bringing this concept to the public and kind of showing people the great things about Christian hip hop? Oh man, they, they've been ecstatic, you know, because, you know, um, for a lot of people, they say it's, a, it's been a long time coming. And from what I understand, there's been at least 12 different opportunities 12 different attempts of making a, a film like this from wow. other people, you know? So for us to be the one to like actually do it, you know, it's cause you're talking about 30, 35 years of history, mm-hmm. you know, and no one's been able to successively do it until now. So it's, it's been a breath of fresh air for a lot of these guys who we consider legends or pioneers. Uh, you know, some of these guys are in the, their fifties and sixties now, you know, and 30 years, you know, 30 years or so later. So, you know, they they see me like man you're you're our hero i'm like man not really. i'm just you you guys are my hero i'm just i'm just talking about you guys and we're bringing we're 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 letting your story be told and you know creating the platform for your story to be told so it's a, it's a it's a great opportunity to to do this and be a part of something uh that's going i believe it's going to be uh impactful how long was the planning process to create this documentary did you start pretty early and it took some time to eventually get it going or talk about that process yeah the process was uh i think because i was i was i was just out of film school and i was working in the industry already as a either as a pa or as an editor or just kind of being around of the set i i kind of knew the ins and outs of what it took to, to make this happen, not only from a production standpoint, but also from a post-production standpoint. Mm-hmm. And so, because I was, I was heavy into post-production because that's mainly, that was mainly my, my, uh, my bread and butter. Even today, that's what I do. I'm, I'm an editor for a lot of my, my big clients. And so, um, so the, so the planning process wasn't that hard for me because it's different with doing a documentary as opposed to actually doing a feature film. You know, because a feature film, you got actors, you got, you know, you got the crew and all this kind of stuff. For me, yeah. it was like, okay, let me get my camera, get my lights. Let me hop on the plane and go get this interview. So, it was, <laughs> you know, it was basically, hey, can I come interview you? This is what we're doing. You know, of course, I, I had um, my um, my executive producer, a part of it, you know, part of that process, Michael Anthony Taylor, who who's actually was my connection with Warner because he 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 works with Warner and had been at that point for about a decade. And so basically what i did for i guess about two months i just went on the road and uh, got as much information i could and footage i could to create what we call a scissor reel and um and that's what landed our distribution deal with warner music and so once that once that was secured that that helped secure financing from investors because they knew this was connected to a big company like warner as opposed to me just trying to do something and ask for money without the the guarantee that this will actually come out one day did you ever dream that warner would pick it up and be a part of this process with you um in so many in so many words yes um i wouldn't say it was a dream but it was something i wrote down when i right when i moved to set up when I moved to LA from San Diego, that I that I believe within eight years that I would have a, a film that would be distributed globally by a main distribution company, and so within that within that that span of time, that's what happened. So it wasn't it wasn't a shock. It was more so like, wow, this actually happened because I because I wrote it down and I believed it. And so to have Warner behind something like this is is a tremendous tremendous opportunity. Do you like to be a part of each aspects of the film, like the editing, the producing, the directing, all that to help you grow as a director and a person in this industry? Yeah, uh, 
one of the things I learned in film school that we were taught, uh, you know how to edit, you know how to produce, you know how to direct, you need to know how to create a budget, <laughs> you need to know how to write contracts. And so all, all of this is, is, you know, I, so I'm the editor of this film. I'm the producer. I'm the, uh, I'm the director, you know, and, uh, and I help also with visual graphics as well. I have someone that does that, but also, but there's certain areas that I know that I'm not expert at. So those people I would hire that I, that I knew in the industry, you know, they're colorists, uh, 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 a music engineer and mixer. So those things I will outsource to people that, that I've uh, established a relationship with. But as far as the, the drive and the push for the film definitely comes from uh, me and, and becoming more of a passion uh, film that comes from the heart. Doing some research on this, I saw that you got a deal with Netflix or Netflix is going to be able to showcase your film. How does that help you with the global outreach that you now can have with us? It's, uh, it's amazing, you know, because you think about it, you know, when I started this process in the early part of 2015, Netflix wasn't as big as it was now, you know, mm-hmm. streaming was not like the thing. Yeah. As, as a matter of fact, documentaries wasn't the thing, you know, it was like, it was kind of on, on, on a slow, but now it's like, everybody wants to do a documentary. Everybody wants to have a documentary. So documentaries have become just as popular as streaming has is now and, and, and continue to be. So uh, to have that opportunity to, once it's released, because I know when it's released, it's going to release globally on every on every streaming platform possible through through Warner. Then then you have to wait in line for Netflix, which is cool for me because it's like we're going to be on Netflix eventually once the success happens on Amazon or Hulu or however Warner wants to do it. But that's definitely something that being being my very first film, you know, I, I can say that's actually really really good. Do you ever worry that maybe some other director out there will kind of do their own version of Christian hip hop documentary? Or do you feel that you have something that can't be replicated and that people are going to learn so much from your the story that you are sharing with everyone? Oh, no, definitely not threatened by that. Because I, like you said, I, I do have something that no one else has. I have the pioneers. I have the guys who started it. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so they signed contracts with us, you know, so it's more so. And, and there were, you know, there's been the talks of, oh, we're going to do our own thing. It's like, you can, but it's like, it's people don't, people underestimate what it takes to really do a film. It, mm-hmm. They see, they see what, you know, TikTok videos or they see something on YouTube or they see something on Instagram, like, oh, I can do that. But then you get into it, you're like, you realize, wow. And it's the planning process. And I tell people that all the time, 75% of most films uh, end up on the shelves because no one, they didn't plan it properly. And so most people, without the knowledge of how to do film, they lose most of their money in production. But when it comes down to actually uh, do the film or make it, which I call, which happens in post-production, they don't have any money left. And so then you're trying to hire editors for you know cheap editors who just in film school they don't know what they're doing and so <laughs> so you come out that with a great product and i think that's what happened in the past with the attempts of doing a documentary uh at, 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 of this caliber is that people didn't really have the knowledge and the skill and the expertise of what it took to actually make a film and do it successfully that's so true because you see all the time now where it's like these tv shows they want to do it but 
they can't get the production side because they don't have the finances. They didn't plan it correctly. And a lot of people, it's, it's a lot of talk, but you, what you did is you actually committed to it. You had the passion for it. You went out there, you build those relationships with those people and you were able to execute it and did the planning process. So it's amazing what you have done and everyone's going to be so excited to see what you're able to produce and watch the film that you created. Yes, yes, exactly. It feels really good. That's a, it, it's been it's been a tremendous journey. I tell people a lot that I could actually make a documentary about what it took to make this documentary. Uh, the the uh, the gatekeepers we had to get past, and the walls, and the yeah. obstacles, and things that you know stopping production, and just all all the different things. But it's worth like like the late Kobe Bryant said, "The joy is in the journey," and I and I can actually to this day. Uh, can attribute to that to, to that statement that yeah the joy is in the journey when you look back and realize what it took to get here you're like man yes the joy is in the journey have you been thinking about your next film or documentary that you want to create or you're still brainstorming those ideas yeah we we have a few things there's um on on our slate with you know uh and one is actually a documentary that we've already purchased uh from a director and uh, that we're going to actually going to be redoing a lot of things post-production wise. It's a documentary on the life of, of Paul Pierce, you know, from um, he, he's a, a former NBA champion, Hall of Famer uh, with the Boston Celtics. Yep. And uh, so we're, you know, 22, 23 is something that's one of the things we're focused on with that film and looking forward to making that happen. Do you like that it's in a different kind of theme genre for that? Because you go from music to a basketball player, kind of like expand your horizon in a way. Yeah, yeah. Because like I said, I don't like like being put in the box. It's like, hey, yep. oh, you, this is this is the Christian filmmaker. No, wow, wow, he's doing that. Oh, <laughs> oh he's doing a feature. That has nothing to do. It's like you know, there's more to me than what you see. But we're we're happy to have the opportunity to do the type of film that we're doing right now. Yes. I like that. I'm, I know I've seen Paul Pierce, so it's going to be exciting to see what comes from that. Is there anything you would have changed in your path to get to where you are today? Or do you feel that every step you've taken, you've learned from it and it's gotten you to grow as a person? Exactly that. I believe every step that I've taken, whether it was a misstep, it was a, it was a learning opportunity uh, for me. And and something I said, okay, I, I know not to do that, you know, yeah. or this works, so I'm going to make sure I do that more. And, and so definitely the joys in the journey, the learning process of becoming better at your craft and, and better as an individual and as a person. The final question I'll ask you, for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals, and rise to the challenge? Man, some goals uh, to help overcome your obstacles one of the things that I believe that's helped me is journaling my life um, and looking over my life, because I think a lot of times we forget some of the things that we, we've been through, especially mm-hmm. when it's years, years ago. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I started writing in my journals uh, when I was 15. So, you know, a good 30 years of my life is actually on paper. And so I, I often go back and read what I wrote in 2000 or 2010 or 1998 and like, man, who is this guy? You know, I would, I want to be like him, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of distracted now. And so it kind of refocuses you, you know, when you write down, you know, just moments that are 
that mean a lot to you and the things and the lessons you learn. And you can go back and read that and be reminded of, of what you, you know, what you did. God told the Israelites, okay, always remind your children and children's children what you went through and what I brought you out of Egypt. So it was always a reminder of like, man, okay, I can get through this. And so when you're facing these challenges or facing these adverse situations, you can always remember, man, I remember going through something that was even more greater than this. Oh, I can get through this because I put it in front of me like, okay, 30 days from now, I'm going to be in a different place than I am now. I'm not going to be here. So you just, that helps me, you know, really, uh, um, you know, encourage myself, you know, you know, I, you know, you know, some people need the encouragement of others. Me, I'm more of a person. I self-encourage myself and just like, okay, let's go for it. And so I think that that's one of the things that has helped me is being able to chronicle my journey and chronicle my life and see the lessons I've learned and the ways I've fought, I've fought, I've failed, but I didn't give up. And, uh, and that's one of the things I, I always, always want to show my family, my wife and my children that, you know, you know, it's okay to fail. It's just not okay to stay there. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's important to understand you have permission to fail. You just don't have permission to stay there. Yeah. I think that's so true. You got to learn from everything. I think there's no perfect person out there. Everyone, maybe it goes through something, a failure, but yeah. if they pick themselves back up, get back on their feet and they learn and grow, they're going to go a lot farther if they stayed where they were and continue to go down that path. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Darius, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people and we're excited to see what the future has for you. I appreciate it. Thank you, Alex. Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow and subscribe on all major audio platforms and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to the full length episode and video format. What path will you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.